clap your hands and give God praise all over the building. Well, God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to come into this place and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that all those under the sound of my voice will feel your presence, Lord God, that they will hear you as you speak, God. Speak, Lord, your servants listen. We listen to hear what you have to say to us. Give us a word to help us to live our everyday lives. But God, we're not selfish, not just for us, but to help us to impact others, to help us to reach the lost, to teach the found, and to change the world one life at a time. We're so grateful, God, that you've allowed us to be here one more time. And it is in your building that you have ordained this worship that we give you praise and honor. And Lord God, I pray for those who are a part of our online community, God, that your spirit will be with them and guide them. Speak to us. Your servants listen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Will somebody give God the most magnificent praise that you've ever given in your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. word of God for the people of God. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been to church. Does anybody else feel like they've been to church? The spirit of God is heavy and thick in this place. We're so glad for all of you who've come to worship with us. There is a word from the Lord, and we are finishing today a series that we've been in and out of. We've had Easter and some other things in between, but the series was called True Faith. Everybody say True Faith. True faith is from James, the brother of Jesus, teaching us what true faith really looks like. There are so many alternatives and so many options out there now, even within Christianity. But James is telling us what true faith is. And today, I want them to pull up some things before we get started. Um, because I'm going to do a quick review, and we're going to read some of the things. I don't know if you know it, but you're consistently learning. You're consistently being imparted. You can be seated. We're not going to have you read the scripture just yet. Um, but I want them to pull up that screen. Uh, what we are covering and what's been covered across the past few weeks. I don't know if you know it, but you should be thankful and glad God is imparting something to you. And believe it or not, you're learning whether you know it or not. So we're going to go over those points. They pull them up about what we learned and, and what, what we taught across. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the scripture while they're getting those things together. Uh, starting in James chapter 5 starting at verse 12. To all of, all of you who are here, we're grateful for you. Uh, grateful for additions to our family. Uh, Brother Montel, thank you for showing up. He showed up. He surprised us. And for tea, why don't you give our new people a welcome? Uh, you can do better than that. Your family, welcome home. We're so glad to have you and so glad to see our young people. We can go ahead since they've had a little trouble getting it up. I hate to make you stand, but let's stand again. If you want to, for the reading of the word of God, we're going to read this in concert together. Let's read it. I'll read verse 12, and then you guys can start at verse 13. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need is a simple, simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Let's start at verse 13 together. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Hmm. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to one another and to pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed, gave rain, and the earth bore it. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. By these scriptures, other related scriptures in aid of the Holy Spirit, I want to speak to us today about the prayer of faith. You may be seated in the presence of God. Guys, if you could pull up those that review of the things we've covered, there are some things that we've learned. And I want us to say those in concert together if they can get it pulled up with the media team because I want you to know what we've learned. These are the things that we've learned over the past few months. If you don't learn anything else, these are things that I hope you have pulled from these sermons and these sermon series. Let's start with the first lesson we learned from James. What does number one say? We've learned how to have joy in the toughest of situations. Our trials are teachers, not terrors. Verse uh, number two, what did we learn? We've learned to rely on godly wisdom rather than on the world's systems. Number three, we should love people regardless of their socioeconomic status. God knows how to level the playing field. What does number four say? Repentance is the road to freedom. When I repent, I own my wrong. I change my path. I walk in truth. Let's keep going. Hallelujah. We should listen and process before we speak. Our words can build or break. What does number six say? Faith produces work. Faith reduces excuses. Faith plus works equals faith that works. That's my favorite one. So we're going to do that again. Let's read it again. Faith produces works. Faith reduces excuses. Faith plus works equals faith that works. That's the crux of our series. Let's go to, uh, to seven. It is okay to have goals and directions. However, we must trust God for the results. Sometimes denial is direction. Uh, number eight, prioritize things that have eternal value. Don't miss true treasure running after fool's gold. Hmm. And the last one. When we suffer, we don't deny our emotions. We just don't let them dictate our actions and attitude. Since suffering is unavoidable, we should not waste our pain. We should glorify God in our sufferings. Give God a hand clap of praise for those things that we have learned. If you want a copy of that, I will send those things to you because that is the goal for us to feed you the word of truth and for us to be able to grow from those truths. Those are things that we need to pull. And just in case some people were good note takers in class and some people were not good note takers in class, I decided that I would have the media team put together those things so you can actually see what we've been ingesting these past few months. This is some good stuff, is it, amen? So today, we are in the book of James as James begins to uh, end his talk to the believers about what true faith, what true 
Christianity looks like. He, he begins to tell them that I know you have different forms of religion, but you have to show your faith. True religion, James says, is taking care of widows and orphans. In other words, that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works, but if we are truly saved, what has happened on the inside of us will produce something on the outside of us, and therefore our will be shown through the life that we live. Jesus put it this way, or the Bible put it this way. Let your light so shine before men that men will see what? Your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. God is glorified when we give him excellence in music. God is glorified praise him when we give him excellence in, in our worship. God is glorified, saints, when we give him excellence in our devotional time and our personal prayer time and excellence in worship. I, I love what you brought this morning. I can tell you brought your worship with you. You did not wait for the praise team to excite you. As I had a brief moment to look across the crowd as things were going, I saw something. You didn't need a fire started, but true worshipers showed up to church this morning and you brought your worship with you. And when we all connect and begin to worship God corporately and seek the throne room of God, there are blessings that can happen. There are miracles that can happen. Things, good things happen when we work together and give God God the glory that he deserves. You can praise him for that. James wants on his way out the door to give the believers a last few things that they need to know. And so in James chapter 5 verse 12, we didn't, we didn't give a whole sermon to it, but it's important and worth noting. It says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. What James is trying to remind us is some of the words that his brother Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 5 simply to let your yes be yes and your no be no in other words that one of the things that they should know from us as Christians Jesus said by this all men shall know that you are my disciples by the love the care that you show for each other how you treat one another but James is also letting us know one of the marks of a believer should be truth and trustworthiness you should never have to tell anybody I swear to this or I swear to that, that or everybody has that friend before they get ready to lie they walk up and they say I ain't lying <laughs> have you ever had that person that said I am not lying which indicates that you are lying you're just trying to convince me subconsciously that you aren't lying and everybody has that friend like the boy who cried wolf that they exaggerate so much and they do so much in, in, in their communication to get you to believe them that everything they say is discounted but James is saying that we should live a life that is so transparent and so full of honesty will take us at our word that all we have is our word when I was young they used to say this your word is your bond in other words my father used to tell me you have your name and that's the only thing that you have what does that mean that if you muddy your name and you muddy your integrity it takes a lifetime to build up something in a few seconds to tear it down so it's important that above all live a life of integrity. That does not mean that we won't ever have uh, times when we mess up because we're in human flesh. But when we mess up, we fess up, we get up and, and we move forward. We don't do like Adam and Eve. We don't try to cover up our sins, but we are open and honest and people will come to Christ more when they realize that the believers in the church aren't perfect. They're 
struggling just like you. They're trying to live a Christian life just like you. They don't have all the answers just like you. But what they should see among the body of believers is honesty. They don't need to see false faces. They don't need to see hypocrisy coming from the Greek words that mean actor. Uh, or, and that's where the word hypocrite comes from. See representative, they need to see the real you. They need to see what an authentic Christian life looks like. They need to see what it's like to live as a Christian. And James is reminding us simply just tell the what? Truth. Everybody said, tell the truth. You said, but I, I tell the truth, Pastor. Do you do you really? When somebody calls and, and, and you annoy and you're annoyed and somebody picks up the phone, have you ever said, Tell them I'm not home? <laughs> Or have you ever looked at the phone and when the phone dialed, you hit ignore. And when they call back, they say, I called you. You say, oh, I didn't even see that you called. Has anybody ever done something like that? Everybody in the room is laughing. Why? Because the truth of the matter is we're not as truthful all the times as we think we are. Whether it be in our taxes, whether it be in other things, or if you're asked to do something in the church or it is in life a lot of times you don't want to be the person to say no I'm not a team player so you make up an excuse and you don't just say you know what that's not good for me that's why I always tell our leaders it's okay to tell me no I want honesty from you I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear because I can't grow like that I want your yes to be yes and your to be no. That's why I love Lamarck. I'm going to pick on Lamarck a second for, because he's quiet. Because if Lamarck, if I give Lamarck something I can trust, then Lamarck's going to say, I don't know about that, Pastor. <laughs> he, he's he's going to tell me the truth. I can trust him to be honest with me. So if I'm headed down the wrong way or the wrong path, he's honest. And people need, uh, in this culture especially, we need the what? Truth. Because we live in a world that's full of deception. As you look at TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat, you see a bunch of people living lives on social media that are not real. They're not realistic. They are living in a lie. And they have lived lives so long that it seems weird when they hear the what? Truth. They've heard things and idioms so long and mindsets produced so long that when the truth of God's word comes out, it seems strange to them. But God wants us to tell the what? Truth. Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In other words, you are made and created to affect change for the kingdom of God. What did Jesus preach when he was here? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He would say, repent, change your mind, change your way of thinking for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus was dead, buried, and raised from the dead in the book of Acts, as he's getting ready to go up, you'll notice something. They said that Jesus preached the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, that God's system of doing things is much different than our system of doing things. I'm leading you on into to the next week, into our next, uh, our next sermon series. But it's important that we are honest so people can see the kingdom of God at work within our lives. Be honest and not deny struggle. Be honest and not deny what I'm going through an issue. That doesn't mean you have to tell everybody your personal details and your personal problems. But sometimes when you're not feeling well, it's okay to say, I'm feeling well, but I'm trusting God. Everything's not the way I want it to be, but God is still good. That people trust honesty. honesty. And many times as Christians, we have to realize that we will be known by our honesty. 
But today, James also gives us something that's important and is powerful because what faith could be complete without prayer? Jesus thought so much of prayer that when he walked into his father's temple and saw money changers beginning to turn the church of God into commerce, that Jesus took the time. Jesus, sweet Jesus, loving Jesus. Yes, sweet and loving Jesus. The Turhan, the one with the fake blue eyes, the one that they propagate that's really not Jesus. The Jesus that's always loving and that's always kind. I can imagine Jesus taking a seat down on the temple mount saying, do you mind if I borrow that leather right there? Thank you. Jesus is putting together leather braids and he's braiding like my daughter's hair. Why is he braiding? And when he finishes, he says, thank you. I appreciate it. And he goes into the temple while these people are taking God's house and he begins to kick over tables and he begins to whip people. Sweet Jesus. Yes, sweet Jesus comes in kicking over tables and whipping out people. And why does he do it? Why the Bible says this? He says, because is it not written? He never said that my father's house should be a house of praise and worship. Our praise and worship is lit, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad that we can experience God. But he doesn't say it's the it's a house of fellowship of youth ministers. We got good stuff for that, too. Oh, that's good. But he says, is it not written that my father's house shall be a house of prayer? That if you are going to be connected with God the way God wants you to be connected, that your prayer life should be one of the most vital things that you work on. One of your most vital priorities. Because as James says, prayer changes things. For prayer is communication, number one. It is communication, it is reflection, and it is direction. Most times we a prayer around because we think a prayer to her as a wish list. We only get on our knees to pray uh, pray for, for other things that we want. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I, I pray the Lord my, my soul to take. Lord, bless my mother and bless my family and bless this and bless all these things and bless the things that I did that you told me not to do, but I did anyway. Bless them, Lord. Help, help me to make these things profitable. That's how we generally pray. And we pray from a selfish motive. That's why James said, well, you have not because you ask not and when you ask you ask with the wrong motives you ask for the wrong reasons but when your heart is aligned with Jesus Christ when your heart is aligned with the father's goals he says then whatsoever your heart desires when you pray believe that you shall receive it and you shall have it why because our will lines up with his will our way lines up with his way. His desires line up with our desires. Prayer is communication, but I know you realize this, but I need to tell it to you again that communication is not a soliloquy. Communication is not a monologue. And for those of you who don't know what that means, communication is not a one-way dialogue. That when we pray to God, our heart and mind should be open and receptive to hear what he's impressing upon our hearts. Part of prayer is a conversation. It's communication. Everybody say communication. Prayer is telling God what's on our minds before we tell our friends. Before we pick up, before we pick up our cell phone to text our friends what we're going through, we pick up our oil that we have in our closet and we begin to anoint and we begin to pray. We begin to seek God before we seek other people because other people can't help us. They don't have the perspective that God does. It's okay to seek fellowship. It's okay to seek people that's your age. It's okay to seek those things. God made us as communal beings. But before you seek men, seek God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Prayer is vital. Prayer is the direction, but sometimes prayer is for reflection. Everybody says it's time to reflect. Because I, I kid you not, one of the best times to, to really be told the truth. So you can surround yourself with people that are yes men, that are the opposite of what Lamar is. And they only tell you what you want to hear because they have something that they're gaining from you, be it friendship, be it encouragement. And they don't want to tell you anything to make you mad. Sometimes we call those people pastors, unfortunately. But at the same time, they only tell you what you want to hear. But people that love you will tell you the truth. And when somebody tells you the truth we shouldn't reject but we should reflect when we read the word of God and when don't just blindly read the word of God but when I pick up my Bible and I open up my Bible and I read it I should not just be but I should be praying while I'm reading it God show me in this scripture what you want me to see show me myself because the Bible says that the word of God is a, is a two-edged sword and it cuts to the very moral a lot of the reasons that we have a lot of issues in our life is because we may be reading the word but we're not praying over the word in which we read and we're not reflecting to say God show me myself oh what peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear oh because we do not carry everything to God in prayer prayer is not just communication prayer is not just reflection but it is direction sometimes we're looking to friends and to situations to tell us what to do and we've created a situation or a decision tree if this happens then I'll do that if this happens then I'll do that if I get this job then I'll go to this city if this happens then I'll do that if this person does this then I'll marry them if this person does this then I'll marry them no don't let situations direct your life let prayer direct your life let God direct your life the Bible said that a, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord that the life of a Christian should be a life devoted to prayer because prayer is dependence on God. It's saying I am trusting somebody higher than myself. Before I act independently, I am going to lean on somebody else. This is what Satan doesn't want us to do. He has for eons tried to get us to act independently of God. Did God say you would surely die if you eat? Well, the problem is God doesn't want you to eat this fruit. Because if you eat it, he knows you'll be like him. God knows you really don't need him like that. You don't really need church like that. You don't really need worship like that. You don't really need all those things. And he tries to get us to work independently of God. Because when we get disconnected from God, Satan knows something. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you cut a vine, thankful for Lath this week who came out and, and being a good trustee began to cut all the vines and things off of the, off of the, uh, off of the fences and things like that and Robin that's helping him and now that I'm preaching I remember he told me to remind you guys that in about three weeks he's going to be cutting some limbs from the top of the roof there so guys get ready he needs you in about two or three Saturdays I didn't forget late but he's doing these things and when he's cutting the limbs the reason he's cutting them is because he doesn't want the limbs to live and when he separates them from their source they may look alive they may stay alive for a little while but they have no source of nourishment and eventually they will wither and die 
<laughs> so Satan wants you to get disconnected from God. He doesn't want you to be praying to God because he knows that if you get disconnected from God long enough, you may look productive, you may have a big bank account, you may have a big house and a nice car, but what you don't realize is that you are slowly dying. And that without Christ, Jesus put it this way. He says, what profit it is before man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What is Jesus saying? He's saying there are some things more important than the things that we seek. Above all, we should have a dependence on God. This is a foreign thing in our westernized culture because everything we do, we do it to become independent. Everything in this country, we do. Our most celebrated holiday is the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. It's the American spirit that says, I am independent of Britain. I am independent of a king. I make my own destiny. Or as the Monroe Doctrine would say, I have a manifest destiny. I am the captain of my sea. Everything about American idealism and American spirit says that I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't need any anybody to give me anything and I will not rule be ruled by anybody that's why you see in the old flags of the United States the picture of a serpent saying don't tread on me because the attitude was nobody's going to walk on me if you walk on me you're going to pay because I'm independent I make my own money I make my own choices I make my own decisions that's how the kingdom of the world works but that's how the kingdom of God works instead of declaring a declaration of independence Christians should be giving a declaration of dependence that I depend on God for everything I need I depend on God for my peace of mind why am I giving I'm not giving to get I'm giving because I realize if it wasn't for you I wouldn't have in the first place I am depending and trusting on you Christianity is a call to the declaration of dependence on God. We are people that are, this, are, are declaring that we are weak and we are frail. We are weak, but he is strong. And that true Christianity can only come when we not look for prosperity. But when we learn the doctrine of suffering, when we learn how to deny ourselves for Christianity, this is what Christ said. If any man will come after me, he says, first, you need to count up the cost. Why? He says to see if you can finish this race, because not everybody will finish this race because it's not as easy as we project it to be. Because Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, go look it up. You don't have to take my word for it. He said that if any man will come after me, he must first deny himself pick up his cross and follow me daily he is saying you have to kill your wants and your desires and you have to be completely and utterly dependent on me that's why he liked David so much, sir, huh? It wasn't that David was perfect. We know that David wasn't perfect, but David was dependent on God. He said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And the Lord is my provider. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. When I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not taking extra batteries, sir, huh? I'm not trying to go through the valley on my own so I can light my own way or light my own path. I don't have to because God is light. And he says, thou art with me. And thou rod and thou staff, they shall come. Comfort me. 
I don't have to worry about when people do me wrong. I don't have to fight my own battles because I am dependent on God. You know why? Because David tells us even in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table for me. You know what that means? The sheep table was a level part on the mountain where the sheep had no danger and they could come and eat to their field. And what God is saying is sometimes I'm not going to remove your enemies. I'm going to give them a front row seat if you'll depend on me so they can watch me feed you. They can watch you eat. As you depend on me, my cup runs over. Not because I have the capacity to fill it, but God's blessings are overflowing. That I'm dependent on God. So a true question for us today as believers is that when troubles arise in our life, who do we run to? Do we run to our own ingenuity to fix our problems? Do we run to our own savvy? Do we run to our education? Do we run to our own ability? Do we run to our own wisdom? Do we run to our own devices? Or do we run to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you more now than ever. I need you. How many of us are dependent on God because that's what prayer is prayer is us depending on God I need you to feed so I can lead I can't lead you Paul says follow me as I follow Christ I can't lead unless I feed I just can't open my Bible to feed you but I can open the word and let it tell me what I need to do because you can't lead unless you can feed if you're not under anybody that can pour into your life you don't need to be over anybody either because unless you can be under somebody and getting the word of God and allowing the word of God to permeate your life and have accountability you don't need to be leading other people when you can't be led yourself Amen. James lets us know that even our happiness should lead to the praise and the credit of God James is saying if you have a need take it to God he says is anyone among you in trouble <laughs> How many times have you been in trouble and you went to mama? Or so for some people, nana or papa or big mama, or when you were young, you did whatever you wanted to do with your money. And, and you, you wouldn't listen to anybody about how to live your life. And your mother, your father, your grandmother, grandfather told you what you needed to do. And you did whatever you wanted to do. And then you realized you had month left but no money. And you would go, we called a mama. Uh, you go to mama, or big mama, or grandmama. And you walk in there and you say, big mama, I, I need. And she tell you, now, baby, this is the last time I'm going to do this for you. Turn around. And when you turn around, she, she, she find, a, find a little wild of cash somewhere. She said, it's amazing how she had less education. She had less wit. She didn't have the same salary as you. But yet she was never broke and you were. Why? Because she was dependent on God. He says, if you're in trouble, let them pray. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. When you're getting ready to make a decision, a major decision in your life, it should be laced with prayer, looking for communication and direction and reflection with God. Then he says, is anyone happy? Let them sing praise to God. And then this is something that's important in our life because this is, we have a lot of sickness in America. He says, is any one of you sick? 
This does not mean that you don't find healing, that God doesn't heal through doctors and physicians. But sometimes we're headed there before we even drop our head in prayer. If you have to go to the hospital, on the way to the hospital, bow your head and begin to pray. Because sometimes God can work it out before you ever get out of the ambulance. That James is letting us know that prayer is powerful. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call from the elders. For call for the leaders. Let them call for pastor. Let them call from bro for brother Bob. He's an elder. Let, let us call for brother Dave. He, he's an elder. Let us call for Lamar. He's an elder. Let us call for the leaders of the church. Let us call for for brother dinner let us call for those who are called to lead the church let us call for Derek let's call for the men that are leading our church and this is what I want you to do and the women because to be honest most high men don't pray like women women can get a prayer through sometimes that men can't get through they will sit and travail in prayer but let us call for the senior people that have been in God a while of the church and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And then he said, and the prayer, verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of God. Sometimes when you're sick, ingenuity can't do it. I've seen God heal people by faith, not by our faith, but by his will that's in response to our faith. But how many times as believers that we don't spend time in prayers for healing? We should spend a section of our prayer time on Wednesday night just praying for the healing of the saints. Praying for those. I, I get on my knees and I, I pray for Brother Archie every week. I pray for Sister Dorothy Mercer. I pray for, for uh, I pray for Sister Dara. I pray for, for Steve and Shirley Wilson. I pray for those that are sick. I pray that Sister Bernice will continue to stay healed and nothing will ever come back. I pray for Cynthia's strength. I pray for people in our church. I, you have no idea how many times you may be asleep that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Mother Mabel to have strength in her body and to get up. I'm praying for those people who who can't make it here. Why? Because people can be healed by the power of prayer and faith. Amen. Friend, if your back never gets healed, you got somebody praying for it. Praying for it consistently and constantly. Praying for your hurts. Praying for your heart. Praying for Pastor Pentecost. Praying for all those people who need it. Why? Because if we're going to have power in the church, we have to become a fellowship of prayer. Amen. He says that if we pray the prayer of faith, it may make the sick person well and not that we will raise them up not that our ingenuity nothing that's in us but he said that the prayer will make the sick person well and that the lord will raise them up and if they have sinned they will be forgiven there are some people that don't know christ and they are waiting on your prayers for prayers of communication line with heaven jesus said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that we have the ability jesus said whatsoever you bind in earth shall be bound in heaven whatsoever you loose in earth shall be loose in heaven 
many times instead of going to the news and our friends and complaining about gas and complaining about the government and complaining about inflation, what we need to do as the body of Christ is find a quiet prayer closet to go into. Jesus says when you go into your closet, he was not talking about a physical closet, but when they had tallits and they would have prayer shawls, when they would pray at the western wall and different walls in Jerusalem and pray at the temple at that time because the western wall wasn't where they were praying. They were going into the temple. They would pull those things over their heads and they would get alone and quiet with God. They were going into what they called their prayer closet. In other words, they were going away from distraction. They were seeking God and they didn't want anything to distract them. We see that in the early 1900s with William Seymour and the Azusa Street Revival that it said that when miracles were happening with, with William Seymour that he had crates to hunt set up in the corner and that it was weird but he would take his head and he would stick it in that crate and he would not take it out and he would begin to pray. pray. That was his prayer closet. I will ask you, where is your prayer closet? Where is your place where you can get along with nobody but you and God? If you're a guy like me, mine used to be before we had people mowing the yard, it was on the mower, brother Dave, because I could get out on the mower and nobody has a problem because people are allergic to work, so they tend to get away from you when you're working. So when I would get on the mower, I would just mow and I, sometimes the grass would be cut and I'd be riding around for a mile listening to worship and praying and seeking God. Where is it? Some of you may like to run. And if you like to run, you can jog. And your jogging can be your prayer closet. Brother Bob likes golf. Brother Bob, sometimes it may be good just to get on the golf course by yourself. Uh-oh, his wife's going to be mad at me because I'm giving him permission to golf more. But at the same time, you get where you can to get alone with God. So God can help you. He says this too. This is important. Therefore, verse 16, pull up verse 16 if you can. I want us to read that together. If they can't get it up there, I'm going to go ahead and read it. J uh, James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. They have it. They're moving. Let's read it together. Let's read. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous has a power and it's working. Nita, I'm praying for you too. That one day she won't have to carry that no more. You know why? Because God will heal her. She, she serves God faithfully. She loves God. And she puts her all. If you haven't read the newsletter, you need to read it. They put their all into that newsletter. They give us quality things to help us reflect and think on God. I'm praying that God heal her. He'll do it. He does it when he's ready. Won't he do it, Derek? He'll take something you've been dealing with for 12 years and just one, one minute touch in a prayer when God is ready to do it and he can do it. Amen. The prayer of faith. He says that we need to have community. It's important for us to come to church. It's important to have community. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not to yourselves as some are in the habit of doing. It's important to have community. It's cool when I see Montel and I come on his Bible study and Montel has a Bible study that has people that's going all over the nation. He's talking to people sometimes on his feeds of over 40, what, 40,000 people at one time that are following the things that he is saying. And God's giving him influence in social media with the kingdom. Why? 
And that's why I love that he, he connects with me because if I can pour what I have into him, he can take what I pour into him and pour it into other people. And that's how gospel and discipleship works. Community, we grow with each other. We are not islands in the body of Christ. God has called us to be together. And he gives us an example. And I want you to listen to this. He said, therefore, confess your sins to each other. He's not saying you have to confess to get free from sin because God's blood has covered your sin. But sometimes you ever had pressure on you and you got something on you and you just need to get it off. That's why people like psychologists. They like psychologists because most good psychologists don't say a word. They just sit there and let you talk and they listen because we are burdened with things in our mind. And as we begin to talk, we begin to unburden ourselves and put that burden somewhere else. That's where prayer can come in. That we give those things to God. Cast your cares upon him. For he cares for you. He says the prayer of a righteous person. Verse 16. Pray over each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person. Is powerful and effective. It has great power. As it's working. There are people all over the world that need Jesus. There's people all over Royal Oak that need Jesus. There are people that are all over Detroit that need Jesus. There are people that are all over Michigan and in the, the United States that need Jesus. How are they going to get them when the saints realize the power they have and begin to seek the face of God? The end of the service should be the most impactful part. I know our worship is lit. I know we got good musicians and Halen Turhan tearing it up and it's doing and, and, and the praise team is going and things are going great. But at the same time, the most powerful part shouldn't be the worship. It should be the prayer. God is looking for a church that these altars are full again. Yeah. Well, you don't have to have something drastic and, and life-changing in your life. Edge. Most people think that the altar is for when I'm having trouble. But the altar is for us to come boldly and to pray to God. Brother Bob, I like that. Brother Bob's praying right now. Yeah, you have my permission while I'm preaching for intercessors to pray. Why? Because I'm trying to get a point across that as Christians, we should always be praying. I preach better when you pray more. Pray for me. Elijah, as we get ready to close, Elijah was a human being, verse 17 said. He was a human being as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. He prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Why? Because he followed what God wanted. God didn't want rain. And he sparked his heart. And he began to pray according to the will of God. Because this is what most people don't realize. They had left and went into the worship of Baal. And God had given them a promise that he said, when you leave me and, and, and you start serving false gods, he said, I will shut up the heavens and there will be no more rain. His will was that there be no more rain. And Baal was uh, a God that you would seek to have rain. And what God is saying is the God that you are serving is worthless. And I'm going to send my man of God to pray. So you can see, you can pray to Baal all you want. But nothing will be produced until I say it's produced. You can seek life in social media and likes and follows and tweets all you want. You can seek influence all you want. You can seek education all you want. That's good. I'm educated. But at the end of the day, unless you give it up to God and following the will of God, you will never be productive like you need to be in those things. Why? Because it's 
going to let you have something that will take you away from him. He has a way of showing you that he's God all by himself. We got to the point in America where we were so confused and we were so selfish that we even created a thing called the selfie. And it's all about us. And when you look at people, all we saw was ourselves. And God put, allowed us to be in a position where for two years we were just alone with ourselves. And we learned the value of being around other people. Hmm. Some things that happen. We put our... We put our love and our prosperity and our wealth. I'm a financial advisor. The stock market has been going crazy. It's been doing well for years. And people have been talking about how they want to retire and how big their 401ks got. And they stopped being in God we trust. And it started being in Ben and, and, and in Abe we trust. And in, 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 the, in the Fed and in just one fell swoop God has allowed the economy to turn on his head he says until I say it there shall be neither dew nor rain because you are depending on it and I will show you what you really need to depend on God doesn't need money to bless you he can use money to bless you but he doesn't need money to bless you God doesn't need medicine to heal you. He can use medicine in your healing process, but he can do it all by himself. Make sure while you're using these things that you are using them as extra tools, but you are completely depending on God. God has called us to pray without ceasing. I'm going to get back over into our sermon series coming up next week, but God has called to give a declaration of dependence. Is there anybody that's dependent on God? Praise him. You can come back and sing throne room again. You can start walking this way. Is there anybody that has a dependence on God? Today, I want us to do something different. I know usually Brother Dave comes and, and he closes out the service, but today, I want us to focus on prayer. For those of you who are, who are healthy enough to walk, I'd love if you would come and sit at this altar in prayer. If you can't sit at this altar and you can't get up, just pray where you are. If you feel awkward coming to the altar, you're free in here. You don't have to do that. Just bow your head and pray to God because the prayers of the righteous, they are powerful and effective. Sometimes when you're going through your troubles and your struggles and your trials, get in your prayer closet when you feel alone and depressed and you haven't, your phone hasn't rang and you say, the devil tells you that everybody's forgotten about you. You say, no, I'm not. Jesus is in this room. When your insecurity tells you that nobody cares and that you're all alone, there are no Christians and it's not cool to be a Christian when you're young and I'm all by myself. You can say to yourself, no, I'm not. Jesus is in this room. Jesus. Jesus is in this room here right now. Here. 